Hello and welcome back to the Bentley Poirot Museum podcast. My name is Alexander and I'm your host for this episode. This podcast was established alongside a temporary and now permanent exhibition called Bentley Poirot's Bunker, Defending Britain from Nazi and Nuclear Threat, where for the first time volunteers interviewed personnel who worked down in the top secret bunker at RAF Bentley Poirot during the Second World War and the Cold War periods. This project wouldn't have been possible without the funding given to the museum from the National Lottery Heritage Fund. This episode will focus on the woman's auxiliary Air Force member, Gladys Eva, and the interview she gave in 2020 with project volunteer Dave Considine, who will lead the rest of this podcast episode. Visitors to the Bentley Priory Museum will see a recreation of the filter room that operated at the outset of the Battle of Britain. Looking over the operations table stands the likeness of Gladys Eva of the Women's Auxiliary Air Force, known as the WAF, which was established in 1939 to undertake non-combatant roles on the home front and whose personnel made up 90% of the complement of what was headquarters of Fighter Command at RF Bentley Priory. The likeness was taken of Gladys, one of the first nine WAFs to serve down the hole, as the bunker was known in 1939. In 2020, in her 100th year, on behalf of the museum, I had the pleasure of interviewing Gladys at her home. An important legacy, she was believed to be one of the last survivors of the men and women who operated the doubting system. She gave us an insight into what it was like when reports of the chain home RDF radar stations were sent to the filter room where they were triangulated, positions of raids fixed and any duplications eliminated before the track was then told to plotters on the main operations map table. And it is in this role that Gladys is depicted during the course of the Battle of Britain. Okay, well here we are today. I have the pleasure to meet... uh... Senior NCO, WAF uh, Gladys Eva, at her beautiful home. She's invited us in. Um, it's the 17th today of August, uh, and we're on the Oral History Project for Bentley Priory Museum. Uh, well, thank you very much, Gladys, for your time. Um, maybe we can begin. How did you come to be a, a WAF at the beginning of the war? Uh, there was an advert in the uh, uh, London Evening News Women required for WAF special duties, no qualifications required. And I said to my father, this sounds like me. I was a so I was an absolute scholar, idiot. And um, oh, he said, I'll take you up, I'll take you up in the morning. And we were one of the first in the, in the uh, crowds, crowds there. And because uh, they'd take no name as you went in, and uh, we were very early on in the thing. And um, without any hesitation, you know, they said, uh, they didn't say uh, what, uh, what results did you have at school. They said, uh, what sports do you play? That's what they wanted to know. I said, well, I play you know, tennis and badminton and you know, this, that and the other. And uh, I just, they said, uh, just go through and give your name. And that's how I got in. In fact, they hadn't hadn't uh, created any, any uh, uh, anything to do with the filter room. That was the amazing thing. And my first morning there was with eight other girls. And uh, they said, we want you to come down and uh, you've got to walk down the steps. And we were going down into the, this hole. 
and uh, into the room, you know, and and the king was there with uh, with Dowding um, up on the balcony, and it was so new that the the uh, uh, filter room was so new that they were, didn't know how it was going to work, let alone the ones that were going to do it. You know, this was at the at the beginning of the war, and luckily, of course, the Germans were no more ready to bomb us than we were to bomb them. And luckily, of course, we had quite a few months where they, uh, where we got the thing together. And I was one of nine girls. We were the first ones ever to work underground in the field room. So what about training, Gladys? How, how did you come to actually become a WAF in the, in the filter room? Was it a matter of selection? Well, no, you, they didn't want an academic at all, of course. They wanted somebody who was good at games, who could uh, stand being under, you know, underground and they were healthy. And, of course, I swam and I did everything else, you know. And uh, that's how it... They didn't know any more about it than you know. You know, they, they, it was all new. It, everything was new to us. It worked. So with, with the situation at the time, here we've got a, a new war uh, with a new concept. Um, you're a new WAF um, down. down. Um, in terms of actually downstairs in the bunker itself, what was the atmosphere like in terms it of... Was, it was terribly dangerous, of course. But we know we didn't know anything about that, and of course it was never talked of because they hadn't got anywhere else to put us. They didn't want us above ground, and uh, I mean uh, flying and that sort of thing was totally different. The aircraft didn't, uh, uh, the air force hadn't got any any idea. They all they knew about was anything on <laughs> above ground. They didn't know anything could go on underground, you see. So. so you say that there were nine of you down down in the bunker at the beginning. Yes. Did you work in teams? Did you particularly work in a team? Well, I mean, as soon as they could get enough uh, girls in, and fellows, they took both, um, because the fellows would be used to go abroad and do the work, you see. But, uh, I mean, uh, they, they soon got enough that um, they had enough to put the four watches where three were working and one was having their, their uh, what, couple of days, 48 hours off or whatever, you know. So it, uh, I mean, there was nothing special about it i guess at the time it's something that you do and you and you have to get on with but but looking back now it's actually a, it's a remarkable achievement um because this was a completely new concept i understand oh absolutely so do you remember the workings of the table itself because um is it is it right that you began as a plotter yes and then moved on to become a teller yes so how how did that come come about well, you had the table, you, uh, the uh, a map of, of the south 
coast from uh, west to east, right the way across. And they were putting uh, uh, the boys underground or wherever, you know, to pick up the, the, the flying of, of, of the aircraft in and out and whatever, whatever, and we were plotting. And that was the thing. It was the accuracy of where we were plotting, getting it through, you know, Northwest G for George, three two one nine three two one nine five zero plus. That's fifty coming over, you know, or one five coming over, or how many uh, was estimated of the aircraft flying in. And that's how it was done. It was it was it was very simple, but it had to be pinpoint accurate. We 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 only we only sent our information into the ops room, where they worked out where they wanted to had to send up the aircraft. And how would you get that information from the ops room? Well, you were telling through uh, through the phone. You didn't know how far it was going. And actually, it was just going next door because they were doing that work. I see. It is, it's it's not easy to to uh, to talk about. Mm. It's not easy to tell you, you know. Because yeah. what was it? We didn't know very much. Yeah. But we did know when we got up to be tellers, and that was your next step up from from plotting. Uh, you know. I can remember um, going on duty the first night, you know, and uh, this fellow said, Oh, I know you, you're the girl with the six chins. <laughs> so you see, nothing changes. <laughs> and what about the political situation at the time? The what? The political situation, sort of the wider picture of what was happening. Were you informed of anything? Um, or did you undertake to, no, you know, no, to, to keep it taking in notice of that wasn't uh, that wasn't something they didn't say oh you must uh, listen well we didn't you didn't have news in those days there wasn't any news uh, there was this evening standard that was the evening paper um, but I mean they didn't say you must read the paper and find out nothing like that you were absolutely sworn to secrecy, and you never spoke about your I, I would have loved to have discussed with my father the work I did, because he fought in the Boer War, um, but I couldn't. We were sworn to secrecy. We must never speak about our work to anybody. And and I never did. did you go out with the other WAFs, or...? Oh yes, oh yes. We soon found that we could go up to. Of course, you used to hitchhike in those days. You never paid for anything, and uh, um, used to go up to London, you know. And then I'd go across to Wimbledon, you see, or just tell my father. Of course, in those days, very few people had phones. That's amazing, isn't it? 
wasn't easy to get in touch, but as he was a businessman, he did have a phone. And I used to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm arriving in London. I'll be up there to meet you. And I used to go home for X number of days, however long I got off. And so locally, um, quite a lot of the the local big houses were uh, sort of uh, conscripted, for want of a better word, uh, for use as barracks and billets. Um, do you remember where you stayed when you first when you first came to the Priory? Where were you billeted? When I first went to Bentley Priory, I stayed in. Uh, we, we had um, tents in a field opposite the. Uh, um, where the nuns are, which is still there. There's a convent in the Elstree Road. Yes. And, and the big fields opposite, if you look at... It was, uh, yes. Contemporary... Now it's a village, but then yes. there were no houses or anything. Yes, that's right. Okay, well, what about the shifts that you did? You know, it's quite quite long shift, I understand. How, how long would your shift have been, do you remember? How long? Yeah, would an ordinary shift be down in a bunker? Well, there used to be um, four watches a day and and three were on duty and one was having a rest. So it worked. It was was nothing in it. It Simple. Used to go down the stone steps right the way down the hole into the ground. How many levels were there in those days? Uh, yes, it was just the one level and there was a, a, a Army, Navy and Air Force were down there. But you never spoke to anybody. So in terms of security itself, did you have to show a security pass to go through? Going through the, uh, um, going through the main gates you did. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you'd been out, if you'd had a a, a few hours and you'd been up to London or something and you came back on your own and that's when and that's when the buggers used to, to frighten the life out of me because I was always singing <laughs> and I used to go sing, 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 you know, going through the main gates and uh, be miles away and then one of the boys would say, Halt! <laughs> and I used to I used to nearly fall <laughs> But, uh, no, it was, uh, that's how, they, how you got in. But mainly you were with your watch and you were marched in, you know. And did you, with your downtime in between shifts, um, what about food and recreation? Did you, did you have a canteen there? Oh, they fed us well. We were very, very lucky because uh, uh, it was so important that they kept us um, fit, you know. So the food we had was extremely good, and the officers used to come round uh, with one of the wives, you know, every meal, um, is everything okay, is everything okay. They had to keep us fit. And did, did you eat that in the priory itself, in the building itself? 
or did you have a like a, a canteen? Uh, they'd um, they'd put up uh, uh, sheds, and that's where we went and had our food. Were you, were you allowed in the priory? Outside the priory. Oh, we were never allowed in the main building. Oh, no, 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 no. No. They didn't know, the people who worked there didn't know what was going on down the hall. And the ones who were down the hall didn't know what was going on in the building, and that was that. And what about after the war? What, what, what did you do then? Work for my father. In a man's world, I said, I never want to work with another woman again as long as I live. He was, um, uh, it, it was a, a retail, large retail shop, sold all uh, the small tools, the large tools, the lathes and uh, everything else. In those days, you had to buy through a shop. Of course, now you buy direct from... Uh, um, you know, the makers, life is different. But in those days, if you wanted a, a screwdriver or, or uh, any spanners or anything like that, depth gauges, height gauges, you name it, I've sold them, uh, you had to go through a shop. I loved it. So are there any, any standout moments in, in all of the four years do you think, is there anything that really makes you um, proud? I, I guess, I mean, I would certainly be proud of all of this, but uh, is there any sort of standout moments that you can think of in terms of, um, you know, perhaps something that, that, that surprised you maybe? That you thought, oh, I wasn't quite expecting that to happen. Well... That's a difficult question, really. I mean, we knew. We never had a thought in our mind that we were going to lose the war, never. And we knew that the work we did played a very big part in uh, ending the war. But you see, nobody ever... I mean, we, we were sworn to secrecy for 75 years. Well, I didn't think when the war was over, oh, I must, I must uh, have a word with his dad or, oh, I can't, you know, I'll tell him what I did. I couldn't speak about it. It was still in my mind that we we'd, were sworn to secrecy for that length of time and I never really, I never spoke of it. Well, it's wonderful for you to come and, um, well, for, to invite us to come and remember all these uh, wonderful experiences with you oh, um, right. as part of your history uh, project for the Bentley Prior. It's been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure to meet you. Oh, yeah. I'm longing to go to the Priory again. I'm, and I'm hoping to go soon. Gladys was born in 1920 in Wimbledon, London, to another era, the daughter of a veteran of the Boer War. But sadly, Gladys passed away in March of 2021. Reflecting on her pioneering role, she said it was terribly interesting and such a positive thing to do. Women didn't know what it was like to go to work after the war. Because of what the girls had done, more of us went into the workforce. 
The world had changed, and this is reflected in our next podcast when we will look at the experiences of women at RF Bentley Priory as the Women's Auxiliary Air Force became the Women's Royal Air Force, and finally, as women became fully integrated into the Royal Air Force. So I would just like to take a few moments to reflect on the vital work that WAF members such as Gladys had in defending Britain during the Second World War. As Dave mentioned, we will be back again with a second episode dedicated to the Women's Auxiliary Air Force, the Women's Royal Air Force, and later the integration into the Royal Air Force. So until next time, thank you for listening and take care.